0: Well, I want to invite you to look at your bulletin this morning. We'll be looking at various scripture texts this morning, but in your bulletin there is a, a handout for this morning. Last Sunday we took a few moments to consider what shepherds heard. Now that's hearing, not herding. They heard sheep, but they heard a message. As I was thinking about this Christmas season, I thought it might also be good for us to think about another perspective of the angels, what they saw. The Christmas story, as we're well acquainted with, is permeated with angels. It's filled with angels. Angels are the unseen observers of the glories of God. They carry out the They carry out the will of God, but they also see the glories of God. Psalm 103, verse 20 through 21 says Praise the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts and his ministers who do his will. Angels are the executors of God's will. Angels were specifically created to do this, and we see them throughout the pages of Scripture doing some pretty fantastic things. We see them wielding a flaming sword to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden. We see them striking the wicked with blindness at the gates of Sodom. We see them traveling faster than the speed of light to answer the prayer of the prophet Daniel. Daniel. We see them rolling away the massive stone that sat before and in place on our Savior's tomb. We saw them breaking open the prison and taking Peter by the hand and leading him out. We see them striking Herod dead with worms. We see them holding back the winds of heaven. We see them waging war with demonic hosts. We see them effecting plagues upon the earth. We see them dividing the just from the unjust. And that's just what we see in the pages of Scripture. There is much happening in the background of this world history that we don't see. Not only do angels carry out the will of God, they are, as I said, the unobscene observers of this world, and they're the singers of of the glory of God. And so I want to ask a question here, what does it mean to glorify God? What does it mean to glorify God? Well, to glorify God means to make much of Him and who He is. That's what angels do. They make much of Him. But what does it mean to to make much of God? Well, I think that if we could really appreciate this, we have to put ourselves in the place of being made much of. I think a lot of us have that experience, especially on a weekend like this with all the gift giving, we, 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 we receive gifts and we appreciate them because it communicates value, right? Someone gives us a gift and the gift is supposed to reflect what they think of us, right? At least that's kind of how it works sometimes in our family. In some Christmases I do better that than others. Have I heard an amen? Okay. All right, so you know where I'm coming from, but just think for a moment, you know, even if it's somebody whom you respect very highly and they take notice of you, they make much of you, they they value you, that makes you feel worth, doesn't it? it? Makes you feel special. And this is what it is to make much of something, but turn this experience that we all have as people and turn that now and think about putting... The worth and value of God up in front of Him. That is what it means to glorify God, and that is the major role of the angels, to observe what God has done and then make much of Him. And so, my desire here this morning is that we would be like the angels, that we would be making much of Jesus Christ, and the role of the angels in my message here this morning are really just to point us to the glories of God. And I'm using the angels to cause our hearts, hopefully, to sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest. That's my hope. That's my desire. And so this morning, I want you to look and follow along. I want us to see how the angels angels are in all of the fabric of world history But angels were right there at the very beginning to see God's creative power, God's creative power. The angelic host has not always existed. God is the only one who is eternal. God has created all things, and angels were also created by God. Scripture says in Nehemiah 9.6, you are the Lord and you alone. That is, He is the eternal one who is always existed. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, and the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. The time of the angelic creation has not always been uh, fully understood, and when exactly it occurred within the seven days of creation. But we do know that by the end of the seventh day, All that was made was made. There was nothing that wasn't made. All was made. Well, in Job, uh, Job chapter 38, in Job chapter 38, verses 4 through 7, there is an indication that the the angels were created prior to uh, the, the establishing of the foundations of the earth. In Job 38, verses 4 through 7, Job is talking with, or God is talking with Job and rebuking him for not trusting in him, but he, he makes these statements that show us this. God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you knew. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy that phrase sons of god is referring to the angelic host what was there observing all that was happening they they saw the separation of the land from the waters they shouted for joy as, as the earth began to sprout this vegetation, something they had never seen before, and it was so green and so, so varied in all of its hues of color. They saw the plants, and then they saw the trees bearing fruit. They must have marveled then as the, the balance of the earth in space just set just right, and then the rotation started, and then the moon started to orbit the, the earth, and, and it started to go around the sun. They would have gaped perhaps and looked at the waters as they just started to team with fish and to see all of this, the birds filling the sky and, and the animals began to produce all different kinds. It would have been filled with all kinds of wonder as the mountains that they were looking at and the, the valleys. And we, we, we are filled with wonder, aren't we, when we see a new sight that we have never seen before and we're struck with great awe. And this would have been... The angelic host saying, Glory to God. He is worthy to be praised for all that He has created. But who was God making all of these wonderful things for? He was making them for people. For people. A new kind of creation, a new intelligence that they weren't aware of or even comprehending. Would they be different than the angels? Well, yes, they would. They'd be significantly different than the angels. I want us to think about this for a moment, just how significant we are as creation. Because the angels already existed, they're intelligent beings, but they're different than us. It's important for us to see that people have a different function than the angelic beings. if you're filling in your outline, people have a different function than the angelic beings. The angelic hosts were created to be helpers, to to execute the will of God as servants and administrators, but people were created to be the friends of God. We were created to be the friends of God. In fact, God used to walk with Adam in the cool of the evening, didn't He? He used to walk with, with Adam and talk with him as if he was a friend. Men and women were designed with the capacity to choose and to love and obey God simply out of a trusting relationship with Him. Another significant difference here with the angels is that they do not reproduce. They do not reproduce themselves. Angels are non-organic. And we are organically connected to one another in ways that angels are not. And that might be more obvious than we realize we are very uniquely, they are uniquely and individually responsible for their own choices. Our choices have repercussions into the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. There is significant weight to that and responsibility that we have as people. Angels are independent moral agents as well. So, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was their sin that affect generations of descendants. When an angel rebels against God, he is independent and he is an island to himself. He doesn't affect another generation. And see, all the families of the earth, all the ethnicities have disobeyed God through the choice of their forefathers. And so, the significance here is that when an angel rebels against God, their action only affects them. Fourthly here, angels are intelligent beings but they are still limited. They are still limited. Angels are limited to what they see and they are told, even though they have a higher awareness of some of the things that are happening in this world. They're still limited. They watch the the history of the world unfold. They see the prophecies, they hear the prophecies, but they have the opportunity to see them fulfilled. And as it is, And it might be comparable to as if we were to all walk up together and stand on Irving Cliff and look down upon the town. And let's say we were watching uh, an accident occur in downtown on Church Street. And people over in Route 6 who are coming into Church Street have no clue or awareness that that's about to happen. There is an aspect to which the angels are at a different vantage point they're seeing things that are unfolding in ways that we can't see them from they have a different vantage point but yet they're still limited they don't know the other side of creation they don't see the other side of the new creation the new heavens and the new earth they're seeing this drama unfold before them and in a main you know as we witness events and dramas unfold ourselves, we can identify perhaps with, with how the angels respond. I don't know how you are if you watch a film, and you're watching something that has particular thrill and, and fascination, and you're just sitting on the edge of your seats wanting that justice to be completed. You know, we want that girl to get that man. You know, it's, it's got to happen. It's got to come to pass, and you're stuck on the edge of your seat. Well, the angels are in a similar vantage point looking at the glories of God unfolding in this world history. They're making much of God as He perfectly redeems His fallen friends. He's looking, they're looking on with, with, with excitement. Well, angels see the creative power of God. Secondly, here this morning, angels see the devastation, the devastating holiness of God. Angels see God's devastating holiness. Isaiah described a a vision that he had seen of entering into the throne throne room of God. In fact, it was a vision. He could not be personally in the throne room of God, or else he would have been incinerated by the very presence of God. But yet he saw angels all through the throne room of God shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the angels are witnessing all of this, and they're making much of the holiness of God. And as they see what's unfolding and the horrors of sin, they're looking at God and the holiness of God, and they're seeing and witnessing that devastating holiness. They've also seen in the world events of history, they have seen a crisis take place in heaven, They saw an angel among their number rise up against God and say, I don't want to make much of God anymore. His name was Lucifer, and he took other angels with him, and there was a war that took place. Revelation, um, Revelation tells us about this. And this war that takes place in heaven results in Michael, one of the chief archangels, removing... Satan and hurling him to the earth. In pride, he did not want to make much of God, and he was hurled down to earth. All this is taking place, and we couldn't have never have seen it or even known about it unless God had told us it had happened. But as they came to earth, the angels would have looked on with horror as as Satan came into the garden, that perfect garden that God had created for His friends. And the angels are witnessing this, this, and they're seeing Satan tell Eve that maybe God was not a good friend to them to give them guidelines and conditions. God was no true friend. He wasn't a a loving God and friend. And so, in selfish pride, she ate. She ate, and she rebelled alongside and convinced her husband to do the same. And so, now they're devastated by the holiness of God their friend came to walk with them in the cool of the evening, and he had to call out to them and say, Adam, where are you? Where did you go? Instead of being his friend, he was now looked at as an enemy. The angels were horrified at what was happening, and they had to be forced out of the garden. The angels would have seen one of their own standing there, the cherubim, the ones who stand in the presence of God waving a flaming sword to keep them out of the garden. They wouldn't have access to the tree of life anymore, to have a rejuvenation. Once they had sinned, they were banned from access to the tree. Now what? What was going to happen to them and to their offspring, who were now contaminated with sin? Were God's friends doomed? No, God had a plan. He would send a new Adam, a new Adam to redeem this fallen Adam and all his children. This new Adam would come and he would die for Adam's children so that all who would believe would be forgiven and restored to a friendship with God. And even better than a friendship, they would become children of God so that they could never leave the family of God. And through the intervening centuries, the angels looked on as as God was preparing to save the world. In fact, in the midst of the horrors of sin, the angels looked on and saw a family build an ark and bring their family into the ark and a repopulation of the earth. And then they saw a family called out from other humans to be selected in a special relationship with God. And this family was set apart. They witnessed this family's entrance into a place called Egypt, and while they were in Egypt, they witnessed them being saved from Egypt. And the family grew and became a nation, and the angels were involved in the protection of this nation and this people. And even when this nation had to go into exile, the angels were there to protect. There was a plan unfolding, a people that were going to be saved. Well, the angels have also seen not only the devastating holiness of God, they've also seen the birth of the new Adam, the Son of God, which is recorded for us in great detail in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and Luke 2. And do you know that there are more mentions of angels in the in the story of the birth of Jesus than any other, any other story that we have in the Bible. Angels were directly involved with the appearance to Zechariah in the temple when he entered into the Holy of Holies, telling him that his, his wife, who was advanced in years, would bear a son. He was going to be a special boy to proclaim the Messiah who would come. This angel was no other angel than Gabriel, another that would stand directly in the presence of God. The same angel, Gabriel, went and went to Galilee, to Nazareth, and to an unmarried girl named Mary and told her that a baby was going to grow within her womb, something that was completely impossible. She wasn't even married. But the angel came to explain how that this would be a work of the Holy Spirit inside of her. And if the angel had only appeared to Mary, Joseph wouldn't have believed it. In fact, in the Scripture reading today, he doubted it significantly. He had to have an angel come and tell him and confirm and witness to him exactly what was happening, so he wouldn't be afraid to take Mary to be his own wife. And he took care of this baby that was not even his own. And so, a decree went out to all the world that The world should be taxed, and so it forced Mary and Joseph to journey down to Bethlehem. And while they were in Bethlehem, the angelic host appeared to the shepherds, shouting glory to God in the highest of the birth of the one, the new Adam that would come to be a savior for all of the world. The angels were there to protect this little one that was born as well. When Herod wanted to remove a usurper from his his kingdom, and so, an angel came and told Joseph that it's time for you to leave because you need to protect this little one, and they went off to Egypt. And it was an angel again who came in a vision that said, it's now free, it's now safe for you to return to, to Israel because those who wanted to kill him are gone. And so, the angels appear at crucial points, very crucial points. In fact, in the life and ministry of Jesus, the angels appeared during the temptation in the wilderness. We sang about that in our our message, uh, in our songs this morning. And so the angels came. The angels came in the garden to make sure that Jesus would have strength to go to the cross. Jesus had to make it to the cross so that there would be life and provision made for the sins of His friends. You know what Jesus said at the Last Supper? to his disciples. In John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. You did not choose me. I have chosen you. So, the The angels who were witnesses to the devastating holiness of God are witnesses to a momentous moment where God would make it possible for his friends to enter into friendship and relationship with him again. The angels watched in horror as as God turned his back upon his own son so that he could save his friends. What mystery what utter love that Jesus would be a new Adam for all who repent and believe the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that is how great our God is he was a friend to us a true friend that wouldn't abandon us in the garden and cast us out of His presence forever, but He sent Himself to redeem us. That's our great God. see, the angels have been witness to all of this. They've also been witness, and they have seen the resurrection. They have been involved in the ascension, the coronation of the Son of Man. It was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, and as they were walking towards the garden tomb looking to anoint the the body of Jesus, the angels were there to bring good news that Jesus had resurrected just as He said. They're making much of the glories of Jesus. And then 40 days later, Jesus was gathered with all of His disciples, and all of a sudden, He started to lift off off the ground, and He started to go into glory. And when He faded from their vision, there were two angels that were standing, that were there in the clouds saying to them, Look, you know, this same Jesus who has been taken from you will come back in the same way you have seen Him go up into heaven. And what happened to Jesus when He went up into heaven? What What happened? He was crowned King of Kings. Lord of Lords. He was given authority over all things. And so, when He ascended into heaven, the angels cried, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The angels and the myriads of throngs of, of angels are proclaiming these words continually before the throne and Jesus is there before the throne of God lastly the angels are going to see the return of Jesus Christ Matthew 16 and Matthew 24 describes this this is something actually that the angels have not yet seen this still sits on the horizon of history and is waiting to unfold if the angels have to wait to see the return of Christ, and so must we. We are waiting, looking, longing, hopefully we are longing for the return of Jesus Christ. And the angels who have seen all of human history unfold are waiting for this, this one-day moment that they will come with Jesus and redeem us. Matthew 16, 25 says, "...for the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels." And it's going to be a momentous occasion. It's going to be a fearful occasion for some. But hopefully it will be a glorious occasion for all of us. What will it be like? 1 Thessalonians 1.7 describes it as that he will come with his blazing fire. And his powerful angels will be there. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says there will be a loud shout. Michael will lift his voice. There will be a trumpet call of God, and then the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which remain will be then caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. Matthew 24, 31 says that during this loud trumpet call, the angels will be there to gather the elect together from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. We're going to shout with the angels, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. We will be making much of Him because the Christ who loved us and died for us has finally redeemed us. We're able to live for Him. And so we have the opportunity by faith to believe that He is coming again and we also have the faith to live for Him because we believe He's coming again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 To 15 says, for the love of Christ controls us or constrains us. Because we have concluded this, that the one who died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. We now live for him. Glory to God in the highest. And our life is a flow of glory to him, making much of him That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And so on Christmas morning, we remember what the angels saw. And we look forward by faith for what we will see with the angels. We will see the second coming of Christ. In all of its glory, in all of its stages, we will first be raptured to be with Him. And so we will be making much of Him. We will be glorifying Him because He is our friend and He is our Savior. Are you a friend of God? Do you make much of Him? I trust that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are His friend, but I ask that you would make much of Him this morning, that you would let your life be glory to God in the highest something else that we must consider too here, even in this observation of the angels. We need to ask ourselves, what do the angels see us doing now? Do the angels see us making much of Jesus? They are witnesses to all of the glories of God and creation, and they are witnesses to the fact that we have been redeemed. Are they now seeing us making much of God? So my prayer is that this coming year we'll be growing closer to God and making much of Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can call You our Father and that Your Son calls us His friend. And friends we are. And so, Father, we... We thank you for the the love which which sent your Son to redeem us. No greater love hath any man but this, but that he would lay his life down for his friends. And that's exactly what you did. You did it for us. May we have the courage in this life to be willing to lay down our life for you that would make your glory, the highest pursuit, that we would be making much of you in all of our life choices, that we would be spending time knowing you in the Word of God and praying and and witnessing to others about you. And Lord, may there be other souls that would be added to your kingdom and into your family, and may all of your friends be there with you in glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name.